When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This week's performance anxiety goes into a little uncharted territory for us. We enter the world of new age and ambient music. But don't worry, it's not all just hanging out in your mom's 79 sob listening to Andres Volenweeder. Dallas Acids, Christian Havens, and Michael Gurner show us that it's also about traveling culinary experiences, projection cube concerts, and redoing the soundtrack to Nosferatu. It's also about doing heavy metal covers in the ambient New Age style. So join us because this was a very, very fun conversation with two really great guys who specialize in a genre of music I really didn't know anything about until I spoke with them. So please enjoy. Christian Havens and Michael Gurner from Dallas Acid on this week's Performance Anxiety. I'm Christian Havens from Dallas Acid, trying to get over my performance anxiety on performance anxiety. Is that okay? That's perfect. Michael, do you want to... You uh, does everybody yeah, say yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 this is Michael from Dallas Acid, and you're listening to Performance Anxiety. Awesome. And no, nobody ever says that. All I'm right. going to be right back. I'm going to grab the charger thing real quick. Where are you at? I am in Virginia. Oh, nice. I'm in uh, Winchester, some right on the West Virginia border, almost uh, directly 90 miles west of D.C. Okay. So, And you guys are in Texas, right? Texas, yeah. yeah. Austin. Okay. We played Richmond uh, not too long ago. Oh, really? It was really good. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's a little bit of a haul for me, but it's not... Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, like three hours. So DC's closer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, we played a really good show there too. Oh yeah, at the Black Cat. Oh, Black Cat's really cool. Yeah, I've only been there a couple times. Um, I don't even remember who I saw, but it was they were it was a an interesting little place. It's and uh, nine thirty club's always a great place. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I hadn't been to the new Black Cat since. Now, well, I, I played at the old one a long, long time ago. Yeah, cool. yeah, they they actually Black Hat and Nine Thirty Club both switch changed locations yeah. over the past few years, but yeah. All right, it's getting me. a little brighter in here yeah. and uh, plugged in, so <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah let's do but, it. Uh, I appreciate you guys coming on, and I thank you guys so much. Yeah, absolutely. Happy and, to be here. Oh, and and it's funny because I was. I had spoken with, uh, not really spoken, I guess emailed with Howard, Howard Wolf, mm-hmm. and um, he's like, hey, I want you to talk to these, to these, to this band, uh, Dallas Acid. All right, cool. Uh, what do they, what, what kind of music is it? And he's like, oh, it's kind of like a new age ambient. I'm like, wow. 
I don't know anything about that. I'm like, all right, let, yeah, I, I want to talk to him. Just let me, let me get into it a little bit. Let me, let me see what it's like. Cause I don't know anything yeah. about that. I, I, that's, yeah. that's so, it, it's such a new uh, realm for me. So I said, give me a little time so I can, and, and he sent me the, the music. I'm like, all right, let me digest it first a little bit so I can get used yeah. to it. So not all my questions are idiotic. So, <laughs> so we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, let's, let's just let's wing it and see what happens. <laughs> All right, so you either you two play uh, synths in the band, right? And um, Linda Beecroft is the percussionist, percussionist and vocalist. Yeah. Okay, okay, and I, I got to tell you, with last name Beecroft, the only thing I could think she would ever be would be like a superhero librarian or in an ambient New Age band. <laughs> it was like the only two <laughs> options she could have. <laughs> Absolutely, and that a perfect name for for what she does, but how did you guys all meet up? Uh, well, Michael and I are old friends, uh, from Austin, just growing up in the music scene here in the early to mid nineties. And, uh, you know, Michael had some bands. I, I don't even remember really how we met just being at the same shows, you know, okay. and seeing each other. And at one point, uh, I, I, I told him, you know, I'm putting together a band. I heard you were putting together a band and, that band turned into about 40 other bands before <laughs> we became uh, Dallas Acid. And uh, basically, uh, we were in, uh, we were living in New York um, in, uh, I guess it was 2014, uh, 2013, 2014. And uh, basically, Linda, Linda's band, uh, Golden Animals, had a practice space down the hall from uh, where we were staying and uh, kind of living at the time. Okay. <laughs> So uh, basically, we, we kind of met there and, and we started playing, uh, you know, just to pass the time at, uh, at the practice space. And then uh, I ended up moving back to Austin and uh, Michael and Linda uh, decided to come out a few months later. And uh, so we just kind of picked it up and probably scheduled a show a little maybe too early in the game and, uh, <laughs> and just kind of got on stage and went for it. You know, not really prepared, uh, you know, to fill up, you know, 30 minutes or whatever it was. We had basically, I think, two songs at that point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we tried to stretch them out as long as we could. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we uh, figured we need a lot more practice. So we kind of <laughs> went back to the drawing board and, uh, you know, started writing some songs. And I guess the last the last couple of albums are, are more in uh, traditional songwriting uh uh, you know, style. How did you guys get into New Age and Ambient? And, and you got to... You've got to free me. Like I said, I don't know a whole lot about this genre. Some people, I know some people might not like those genres. I mean, are you guys, what is the difference between the two? Is there a difference? I mean, you know, the, the difference is, uh, is pretty, um, minimal or significant depending, I guess, on what camp you're in. I mean, you know, ambient music traditionally, uh, refers to, to music that is almost like background music. You know, it's so sort of subtle, in the environment and the atmosphere that you're in. And uh, New Age is more about, uh, 
you know, uh, healing, uh, the soul and, and, and sort of, you know, expressing the joys of existence, uh, you know, as well as sort of, uh, uh, trying to heal the sorrows, I guess, you know, it's, uh, sort of physical, I guess, uh, spiritual genre of music, uh, okay. you know, uh, <laughs> so it sounds like you, you, you put your, you guys in the new age category. Well, for this last record, uh, we worked with, uh, Laraji and, uh, Archie, Archie Oceanata, pardon me. Uh, and they are, uh, new age musicians, Andy at new age. Uh, uh-huh. Laraji has, has been at it since, you know, uh, the seventies at least, maybe even before that. Yeah. Uh, and so he's he's kind of one of the innovators of, of you know both genres, uh, and and you know I guess our music falls sort of somewhere in between that and you know sort of uh, pop music uh, to some degree or, or very weird uh, pop music maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Michael and I, you know, we we grew up listening to a lot of punk music and you know heavier you know stuff. Uh, okay, I grew up side of san antonio so it was like pretty much all like black sabbath and iron maiden for me as, as a youngster but uh you know i and both of us and we didn't know each other at the time but we both uh were introduced to the works of like brian eno uh you know at a yep. at, at a fairly young age you know when we were still in high school and um he had done a, a record with laraji uh in 1980 called dave radiance that uh was really fantastic and uh we were on tour with uh, Dead Meadow on the East Coast. Oh, I love uh, Dead Meadow. Yeah, they're they're so wonderful. Yeah. They're such talented musicians and great people as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so we 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 our tour ended in New York, uh, and then so we uh, we had a uh, a show scheduled with uh, Laraji. A few basically hey, the we both really you know we already knew his music, but. Uh, he, he really kind of dug what we did and we went into the studio the next day and uh, you know, recorded for eight hours or so and uh, this uh, record uh, arrived without leaving is kind of the, the, the product of that uh, of those works. to edit eight hours of, of an ambient jam into what, like six or seven songs. Yeah. Basically, yeah, you're kind of reducing uh, multiple hours of stuff down to like 40 minutes or so, basically <laughs> you know, two sides of an LP. So yeah, I mean, there was a lot, a lot of listening for, um, you know, by the end of the session, we were so exhausted and, you know, it was the end of tour. So we didn't really listen to it till, uh, you know, we got back uh, about a week later, two weeks later. And, uh, yeah, we just listened to all of the all of the recordings uh, as much as we could over the next like three or four weeks. And Laraji and RG also uh, did the same thing. And we all just kind of communicated by email and and phone and and all came up with sort of our our best moments. And, uh, you know, talked about how those could be kind of uh, laid out in some kind of cohesive structure that made uh, somewhat of a sense, but really kind of represented some of the different uh, 
some of the different, you know, dynamics that we were, we were getting that day. So. so you'd mentioned you guys listening to punk metal, uh, sludgy stuff like black Sabbath yeah. back when you guys were younger, what was, and, and but then being introduced to Eno, what was mm-hmm. that moment where you just decided I'm not going to do punk. I'm not yeah. going to do black Sabbath riffs. I'm, I want to do ambient stuff. I think, yeah, we just played in so many guitar bands, like, you know, for a decade or so before we decided to pick up the synthesizers. And, uh, you know, we had, we had been getting, you know, we, we loved like, you know, all the old kraut rock stuff, you know, and craft work and Klaus Schultz and Tangerine Dream and Cluster and, and they were big influences on us. And, um, yeah, I mean, at one point, I know I started kind of messing with synthesizers uh, more. I was doing a construction job for a while, and I broke uh, broke my my uh, fingering hand, uh, you know, for guitar, and so oh. I couldn't play. And so I just uh, I started writing stuff on this cheap little Casio keyboard and and recording and stuff. <laughs> Michael uh, was coming over and hanging out and putting in stuff, and then we decided, hey, let's get some real gear and and you know, get a, a recording project going. And that was basically uh, sort of where Dallas Acid started. And and where did that name come from? Well, it's, uh, you know, it doesn't really mean anything uh, in particular. <laughs> it's just kind of an old uh, inside joke uh, between me and Michael going back, uh, you know, to um, some crazy, crazy times <laughs> when we it's in Dallas, uh, hanging out. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, that's that's what this show is about: getting those great stories. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm going to bring this back up again because I think this could be a great idea. And you guys tell me if I'm if, if I'm full of shit or something. You guys list, grew up listening to punk and Black Sabbath and all that. Has anybody ever done an ambient new age album of metal tracks? Well, <laughs> it's funny you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> We've been working on kind of a secret project of, uh, you <laughs> know, news. Uh, maybe some reworkings of some of our favorite uh, metal classics. Uh, wow. we'll just, uh, but I don't want to say any more. We're going to have some guest, uh, uh, <laughs> a few guest musicians uh, making appearances and stuff. But oh, uh, nice. you know, it uh, it's something that uh, that is, that is very hard to uh, sort of transcribe. Uh, <laughs> Maiden and Sabbath riffs into, uh, you know, uh, a modular uh, sequencer and, and that kind of thing. So you come out with a very different uh, product that you think that what you're going in uh, <laughs> in for. But uh, so far, so good. I'll just say that. <laughs> oh, man. I'm Now I'm – all right. So now you've sold me on New Age. I'm in. I'm in all the way. You guys have – you, you seem to be like, from what I was reading, uh, I've been reading some articles about you, trying to do some prep uh, in, in the little bit of time, because I unfortunately still have a day job, so I've got to do my prep at home yeah. with the kids running around, and you know, when my boss isn't looking, and all that kind of crap, but you guys have done some really weird shows, and, and, and some strange spaces. Um, yeah. yeah. Can you tell me, uh, can you guys tell me a little bit about some of these, like, uh, Monkey Town and the Nosferatu soundtrack, and how do you how do you get involved in this stuff? Well, you know, oh, you we, guys were looking at each other like, no, you tell him, no, you tell him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, how do we explain this? Uh, yeah, we, you know, our first couple of shows were in uh, kind of rowdy 
you know, Austin Six Street bars, uh, very much like metal bands, surf surf rock bands, uh, you know, all you know, psych bands, and you know, and then you know, we're kind of doing this weird uh, ambient thing, and and uh, it's just it's so weird. I mean, not that you know, we we got heckled too much uh, in the early days, but uh, you know, every time, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's really uh, it's really hard to play this kind of music for people who are out, you know, on the weekend to have a beer and, and that kind of thing. Um, or at least uh, what we were doing at that time was I think a lot of we, we've kind of figured out um, some some we have a few songs that are probably more appropriate for that environment, I'll say. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we were just looking for other interesting, cool things, you know, uh, environments to, to kind of do this. And, and we always wanted to kind of create a whole, uh, you know, visual element, you know, lighting and, and, and creating just an atmosphere that, that went with the music that was maybe a little more relaxed, you know, places where people could sit down and, and just kind of stare off. And, and one of those was at, uh, at a, um, monkey town um monkey town was this uh experimental uh video cube that you know you had uh four screens you were surrounded by that were projecting uh films and things and and basically uh the audience sat around uh, a table that made up the inner perimeter of this cube and uh, we were sort of in the middle of all these people uh while they were being served a a five-course gourmet meal from a a local chef Uh, we did a one in Austin and then one in uh, L.A. And, and then we uh, basically have sort of a, a 20 minute or so uh, performance uh, in the middle of this uh, big elaborate meal. And, and they're uh, basically showing uh, various, you know, kind of art films and, and, and short experimental films, by, you know, uh, art films. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and we showed our film. As yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. We made a um, yeah, we made a film, film. for it uh, and that we kind of, you know, played the, the soundtrack to basically was uh, the last one. It was it was called Beamers and Bloody Marys. And, uh, you know, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah, kind of had a, a, you know, a spy theme with, uh, you know, a bit of a luxury. <laughs> yeah, luxury, <laughs> luxury. <spy laughs> theme. Uh, <laughs> so when you're doing this, did they did you guys get fed too? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. We uh, we got to try, you know, samples a few uh, gourmet uh, meals ourselves, and uh, you know, oh, wines as well. Which yeah. was very nice. Before, <laughs> so uh, twice a night. Yeah, basically we did two weeks, so it was nice. Yeah, to so really just cool. be able to keep everything set up, mm-hmm. and oh. just really by the end, really hone in on the performance itself. You guys also uh, collaborated with. Has Lenchiton from the Pixies and Perfect Circle to yeah. uh, redo the to do a a musical soundtrack to the original Nosferatu. Yeah, mm-hmm. how did that come about, and and how did you come up with the music for that? Well, <laughs> Pause got invited. Yeah, Pause was initially invited, I guess, by the uh, Blue Starlight uh, Drive-In Theater here in Austin, um, and uh, basically. She's a friend and, and said, hey, you know, do you guys uh, want to do this with me? Uh, and uh, we were like, yeah, we started, uh, you know, fresh. We did. We tried not to listen to any. I think there's a couple of different soundtracks out there, um, you know, uh, that, are, that are traditionally uh, 
you know, put uh, with the with the DVDs or, or releases today. But right. so we tried to just not listen to that and just take it as, you know, as though it was just a completely new experience. And and uh, yeah, basically, we uh, spent about four or five weeks kind of writing material and just watching the film over and over again. Yeah, and maybe it was three months. Yeah, I don't it know. Took a long, it took a long time. I remember. <laughs> I, th I think it was still summer when we started, and then we finally performed it on Halloween. Oh, yeah, wow. at the at the drive-in theater, you know, with uh, you know, set up in front of the screen and everything, and everybody was uh, you know, in their cars with the radio broadcast. Uh, it was really, it was really cool. It was uh, it was a totally unique thing. That, was that recorded and released, or is that just a live performance that you guys did? It was a live performance, but uh, we started recording it at that, you know, at that moment that, you know, we were coming up with it just just to help ourselves remember, you know, that that's smart here. Um, but, yeah, we, um, we we've basically been completing that this year and uh, hopefully we'll it'll be out next year. We may wait till Halloween to, to finally uh, just have a release. And since it's, uh, you know, uh, a public domain film, we'll probably release the the whole video thing that so. that would be so cool because i was looking up some of you the uh music and the, the the videos on youtube and i found like a three minute clip of oh yeah of that. <laughs> and it's yeah like, that, that, that's just the the main theme i guess uh, uh that we came up with uh and that was our little teaser for uh to get people out the show so that was really cool i really liked it that, that was i would love to hear the entire thing Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we can't wait for it to come out. I think uh, I think it'll be a really cool thing that a lot of people should really like, hopefully. anyway. So you, you got, okay, so that's two strange spaces and, and shows that have worked out really well. I know you guys have had some that haven't. Give, give, me, one, <laughs> give me one that hasn't worked out so well. Oh, the Palms. Yeah, you know, we did a show at the Palms in uh, Twenty Nine Palms out in you know near Joshua Tree out in the desert right. uh, a few years back, and uh, you know, I think uh, I think this is a this yeah, this was very early on, and and our, our music, which was a lot less uh, structured, a lot more free floating and uh, flowing and uh, well, floating too. <laughs> I think uh, it vibed uh, 100% chemically with everybody that was out there at the desert uh, that night. Uh, classic, uh, classic uh, heckling uh, case. It was awesome. But we persevered, you know, and, uh, you know, by the end of it, I think that we had sort of tamed the beast somewhat. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. No, nobody beat us up or smashed our equipment. So I guess it was a success. <laughs> so how do you how do you find the crowds between the the uh, punk shows and, and the rock shows that you guys used to attend and, and with the bands you were in compared mm -hmm. to the ambient new age shows that you guys do now? How is there yeah. a big big? I can only imagine there's a huge difference, but I'm not on stage, so. Yeah, I mean it. It's definitely different. 
I think you know there's a there's a weird sort of crossover where a lot of uh, a lot of people that were into to metal and and punk music uh, when they were younger kind of you know they kind of dig what we do. I think uh, you know it's um, it's not it's not you know totally pure and 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 you know uh, <laughs> all the time. And uh, so I think there's a little bit of an edge to it, but uh, yeah, just. There's a big crossover, and then also everyone from that scene, as they've gotten older, their spectrum of musical tastes have kind of expanded to at this point. That makes sense. A lot of younger kids who are really into this genre of music that wasn't really around. I think we were like one of ten weirdos in Austin who were into this, say, like early 90s yeah of our our age bracket at least so i feel like i am always surprised uh with the audience's reactions kind of see because a lot of times you're like oh i don't know if this is going to work out any any ambient mosh pits or anything (laughs) no not yet Uh, no (laughs) However, we do encourage ambient monsters, <laughs> as long as they're in really slow mode. <laughs> so you're seeing a, a good crossover of younger people attending your shows, then. Yeah, yeah, we get we get a lot of um, a lot of younger people. Uh, I think in Austin, it you know you just there's a lot of young people uh, mm-hmm. in a college town uh, and all, but uh, yeah, the. The younger uh, generation is definitely uh, into electronic music and uh, ambient music and kind of rediscovering new age music, you know, from a different perspective, I think, than our generation. When we were young, new age music was kind of what, you know, old hippies listened to. And, yeah, and Yanni and... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember. I remember my mom got a Saab and she was driving around in her nice little Saab listening to Andres Volenweider. And I yeah. like, and and that's see, and that it's funny because that when when uh, Howard got up with me to to see if he wanted to talk to you, that's the first thing that popped into my head. Like, yeah. Wow. All right. This, yeah. I gotta I gotta re, I gotta check these guys out. I gotta research this before I agree to it. And then I he sent me the music. I'm like, no, this isn't that. This is really this is really interesting. And I've yeah. I I found something dangerous about your music. <laughs> yeah, I I would listen to it while I'm at my day job, and I what I guess what most people would imagine is that you sit there and it's it's so relaxing and quiet that you you know you relax and you fall asleep maybe, but that's not mm-hmm. what would happen. I, I found myself just thinking about other stuff. Like, like I would be doing my job and, and and one of the tracks from the new album would come on and I'm I just start thinking of of, of a movie. Instead, like, like yeah. it, it became a soundtrack to a movie that hasn't that I'm just making in my own head at the time. And so I found myself like drifting off thinking about you know having this music in my head and i'm thinking about yeah this makes me think of like that i i'm in a, a market somewhere and i'm, I'm doing 
And then like 15 minutes have passed and all of a sudden like my coworkers are staring at me. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And like, you haven't moved in like 15 minutes. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Back, I'm like, yeah. track two. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. But Yeah, and that's hopefully if we're doing what we do the right way, it should sort of inspire, I think, you know, that kind of, uh, imagination and, and, you know, sort of journey and, and very, you know, inspire a lot of visual, uh, visual things inside your head, you know, hopefully (laughs) it certainly has for me. And then, so I got, I just got to, it's definitely on, on a rotation at at work for me. So fortunately I get to keep my headphones on at work. So I can yeah. I can listen to whatever. I just got to make sure that I stay focused. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise I'm gonna be looking for a new job here soon. Um, well, hopefully that's not our fault. <laughs> if, it hey, would feel really terrible if that happened. If not, I might be moving to Austin and and be a court an ambient, ambient quartet. I don't yeah. know what I'll do, but yeah. okay. So that 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 makes me that jog my memory a little bit. Linda, she does the vocals. Now, yeah, the vocals in the in the music are low, and they're it, it's not. I can't really in in what I've been listening to, I can't make out the vocals. Is that is, is that uh, using them more as part of the music, and instead of like in punk music to make a statement or, or uh, right heavy metal I, to just scream at people? <laughs> yeah, it's different for for different songs and and. Uh, the the last record that we did with Laraji, I don't think has any vocals, or if it does, it's very, very subtle background. Uh, you know, just kind of using the voice as uh, as a backing instrument to everything else that's going on. But uh, you know, the the record that uh, we've been working on that, that should be out in you know probably March. I'm hoping um, it features a lot more sort of traditional vocal, I guess style uh okay it's uh it's very much more present in the mix oh okay so and and that's one thing that i've noticed in the genre is that from what my limited experience and exposure to it is that there aren't just aren't a whole lot of vocals so yeah we um we we kind of slowly worked the vocals in um you know we we were just strictly an instrumental band for the first several years um and then you know, Linda has an incredible voice, so we just started encouraging her to sing more. <laughs> and uh, you know, and now I think she sings on almost every song on the on the forthcoming record, anyway. But okay. uh, and the new album is "Arrive Without Leaving." Is there any significance to the title, or is it just something that sounded really good? At and, the end, of the day, and what are you the, drinking? Because I I'm out of I'm out of liquor <laughs> at my house. And I have to drink vicariously through everybody right now. Oh, yeah. right on! I'm I'm drinking a Dale's Pale Ale uh, right now. <laughs> See, this, this is, oh no! I was it's down it. I was down to a plastic bottle of Jim Beam, and it was I, I finished it last uh, last week with our sports show, and I just ended up tossing it. <laughs> I'm done. I got to go get some more. Yeah. So, all right. So, are you guys more beer guys or whiskey guys? Beer, wine, whiskey, sometimes. Um, Linda doesn't really drink, but uh, yeah, Michael. Tequila. Uh, Michael's a big tequila and uh, uh, sal- and uh, wine. Yeah, like the mezcal. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't really say no to, to many of uh, the alcohols. Uh, you know, um, They're all welcome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just like just like ambient music, everybody's welcome. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm right there with. I'm a, I'm a new. I'm a recent convert to good tequila. So you guys got me with that one. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I love good tequila. And uh, if you ever get out to LA, you got to check out my uh, the other podcast. The uh, Eric, the co-host, he just opened up a whiskey bar out there. So. Oh, right on. So if you ever go, out, if you ever go out to Hollywood to LA, go to the Rye Fox. All right, the Rye Fox. Well, then. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, wait, I'm, I'm going to get yelled at. It's just Rye Fox. Sorry. Oh, Rye Fox. I, I got okay. chastised last week for saying the Rye Fox. So, uh, so, um, so anyway, okay, so we were asking, I was asking you about significance of the title Arrive Without Leaving. Okay, so, yeah, Arrive Without Leaving at the, at the very end of the session, you know, we had been going for all day, you know, seven hours or something at that point. Oh, yeah. And, uh, for the most part, we had we had stopped playing, but the you know the tape was still going, and uh, it was it was basically something that Laraji just started singing uh, freestyle at the end. Oh wow! Uh, and uh, it, what, I think it was there's no way to arrive, to arrive without leaving uh, <laughs> while we were packing up all of our gear. So uh, it was it was kind of a funny thing, and. You know, we'd get to the end of the tape and, you know, we had been listening back to everything and, and it just kind of stuck out as a really good title for the, uh, for the session. So uh, that, kinda, that got <laughs> recorded? Him actually, him singing that a little bit? Yeah. He did, yeah. Okay, so, good. It's like the very last thing on the tape. It's, uh, of course. <laughs> you, you guys are playing for eight hours. Finally, the, you, you're packing up the, the last thing. I, hey, there, the la- eight, it took us eight hours to get to this point, but. Yeah. <laughs> so now you guys are being synths and percussion. You guys don't get to move around on stage a whole hell of a lot. So not not really. Every once in a while, Michael and I might uh, switch keyboards or something, uh, you know. But that's about as exciting <laughs> as it gets. We pretty much don't move at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good because I've I've had guests on before who I've asked them what's the worst thing that's happened to them on stage, and I've had guys break their feet i had uh somebody you know uh trip over some instruments uh that broke his bass um during a show fall off stage more than one time uh somehow (laughs) just sitting there i don't i don't know it's happened i'm just gonna admit it people have gotten on video embarrassing but uh yeah even even ambient bands can uh fall off stage if things get too exciting (laughs) Oh, all right. And so now I've got something to, I've got a YouTube hole to go down. Yeah. <laughs> I find Christian falling off stage. Let's see. Now you mentioned that when you guys were first starting out, a lot of your stuff was improvised and all. Um, do you still find yourselves improvising on stage or is most of your show now uh, planned out and, and ready to go before you hit the stage? It's mostly planned out. We do have, you know, certain songs and certain sections of songs which we do you know have completely sort of like live interpretations um but it also depends on on the show uh this uh sunday we're going to be playing uh like a yoga meditation tea room uh that's going to be 100 percent improv uh we've we've actually been practicing on that all day just kind of 
getting some ideas of what kind of sounds to use and and that kind of thing. So yeah. you still uh, do a lot of improv, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a, a a structured chaos kind of thing. We we generally have some some ideas and some riffs, and then kind of know when to to bring it, you know, to take it out there, and then when to kind of rein it back in. I guess. So. so, do you guys ever get lost while you're jamming on stage and have the other two kind of stare at you, like where where are you going? It's happened. It's happened. You know, it happens less and less. But uh, <laughs> you know, um, we've played some fairly big. Uh, festivals where uh you know there's <laughs> there's been you know a few moments where you know you can't it's everything's so loud you can't always hear yourself you don't know what's going on and, uh, you know luckily uh, at that point uh in our you know songwriting or whatever you could you could cover up those kinds of mistakes pretty <laughs> easy it wasn't as obvious that you weren't playing the right song anymore <laughs> whatever <laughs> well that's good i guess um uh... I guess maybe it's uh, never mind. I, was, I have no idea where I was going with that one. All right, uh, tell me a little bit about the experience of doing the South by Southwest Westworld experience. How did you get involved in that? And and did you get to shoot people? I mean, have, the, the show is really cool. So yeah, I got a lot of guns pulled on me at Westworld. Uh, <laughs> I probably deserve deserved it. They they had a, they had an open bar with like practically unlimited uh, whiskey sours so oh. you know that was uh that was a lot of fun but yeah basically we um we kind of just got a mysterious email from hbo one day asking hey keep this under your hat but like we're going to be doing this thing we can't tell you much about it but would you like to be a part of it and we said absolutely they didn't even say it was for this world they just said it was for a major show on hbo and Man. so uh I was like, well, what would they be doing like out in this small town, you know, outside of Austin? (laughs) And so we kind of guessed and uh, immediately just got really excited about that and started writing some material. And uh, so, yeah, for I guess it was three or four days, um, we were in this uh, old ghost, ghost town that they had completely, you know, sort of renovated and turned into the um, the city of Stillwater or the town of Stillwater, I should say, yeah. in, the, in the show. And, uh, you know, they had uh, they had a full cast of something like 150 actors or something basically putting on, you know, uh, uh, a live play that you could interact with uh, all around the town. And, and we were uh, we were the 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 band at the bar and uh, we got to get decked out in full costume and everything. Oh, sweet. And, uh, you know, look really, you know, the part and everything. And uh, once we got a, a kind of a feel for the, uh, you know, the plot line that was uh, developing, because uh, we'd, we'd basically do it two or three times a night, um, you know, as they, they'd have shifts of people coming in so that it was never too crowded, you know, and everybody got to, to see the whole thing. Oh, cool. uh, but yeah, so we started kind of ta- uh, catering our, uh, our set list to kind of match the action of the of the uh you know the play and um the, it was just it was a great experience and then you know basically it all kind of comes to a head with this big shootout at the end and uh basically they uh the guys in the suits come out and pick up all of the uh the uh <laughs> the androids that didn't make it uh, <laughs> uh, and 
and we would play a really kind of you know funeral march song uh, as everybody was sort of leaving and then you know yeah. started over yeah, one really cool thing that we got to do out there was actually perform a live wedding uh there wow. was a <laughs> there was a couple that got married out there and so we quickly uh, looked up you know the how to play uh, uh the wedding song you know the here comes the bride right. uh, <laughs> like moog and mellotron and just basically threw something together in 15 minutes and uh and it actually turned out pretty cool. Um, awesome. Yeah, it was really awesome. They they were in full you know character and full dress, and you know it was it was a spectacular uh, experience, just unforgettable. Something that we we're just so happy and proud to be a part of. Really, the the thing that I've I've discovered about this genre of music is that it's it's really interesting that you guys are using synthesizers, but the music sounds or really organic. It doesn't sound like craft work or anything like that. It's not angular yeah. at all. Do you guys do a lot of research into effects and, and the processors and stuff that you have to use? And uh, what, what's your favorite, your favorite piece of equipment, I guess, that, that you guys own? Yeah. So I guess early on, we kind of figured out some, some tricks uh, and I don't want to reveal too much. <laughs> It's pretty easy to figure out, uh, but, you know, we figured out some ways to kind of take the harsh edge off of the synthesizers and kind of give them a more warm, uh, organic feeling. And uh, basically, we just started, uh, you know, using that as a, as a base, started building, uh, you know, more and more pieces to, I guess, the whole spaceship, you know. And, okay. and the biggest thing, the engine that drives the whole thing is this uh giant modular that michael has built that takes up an entire wall of our uh of our studio oh, and uh, and we call it the brain and uh yeah basically i don't know but five six maybe seven years ago maybe even longer than that it might have been 10 years ago you started building this thing with yeah. just you know a handful of components and uh now it's this yeah it's been it's taking a while to get it to the, the point where it's at now Okay. I probably started it up in 2005, 2006. We were in LA. Yeah, that was the time. Oh wow. Yeah. That and, was 2006. Right? Yeah. Oh man. And just gradually been building building it up. It's it takes quite a bit of financing to get to this level. So it's taken this this long to get there. But now it's actually doing everything that I could imagine. I would want it to be a plus more. So, when you guys play live shows, I mean, I mean, I'm imagining you you can't take this thing with you. So, we've taken it twice with us, and after the the first time we took it, we it was a South by Southwest show. Okay. We thought it was going to be a great idea, but it was misting and the humidity just kind of shut everything down. Ooh. And it was kind of one of those really nerve-wracking moments where you're like, oh, well, that was a really terrible idea. <laughs> and then we brought it out when we played the planetarium in San Antonio, the SCOBY planetarium. Okay. It was just us performing. And we had four hours to set up, and it was temperature controlled. Oh. So in that kind of situation, we were like, let's definitely bring it. 
But for touring, you just don't have enough time to really set it up. It takes a couple hours oh, wow. to tune all the knobs, hook it all, all up, um, and still like a hair off, it's going to be considerably different. Oh, so you kind of have to like really fine tune it. Um, that's what's really beautiful about the Moogs that we have. Okay. And we're really excited to hopefully – get the new Moog one because it's three and three synthesizers in one. So theoretically we could do what the brain is doing live while, uh, performing, Mm -hmm. uh, the songs as well. So be completely live. Yeah. Right now we, we pretty much just rely on, uh, loops and samples of the, of the brain, uh, live and, uh, play it from a sampler. I wind this up. I've been, I've been, Keeping you guys quite a while here, but oh no worries. Now I know you you mentioned an album that you're working on that you, you're not going to talk too much about, but is there anyone that you you wanted to collaborate with that you haven't had a chance to yet? Maybe somebody that that fans of Dallas Acid might not expect. Oh, definitely. I mean, so many people. Uh, <laughs> I I would love to. I have I don't know how unexpectful this would be, but I would love to collaborate with Klaus Schultz. Oh yeah, this has really shaped us musically. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have one of his albums. Oh yeah, which one? I think it's called Moon yeah. Lake. Moon oh, Dawn. Moon Dawn. Yeah, yeah brown cover with like a circle on the on the front. It, I think. I don't know. I've got a. Uh, this is gonna sound weird. I've got I actually have a promo copy of it. Uh, okay. A friend's aunt worked. Or no, no. My friend's dad uh, was uh, vice president of, of Ryko Disc or something. And yeah. like once once every few months, we would I'd get me and my his son and uh, and my buddies. We, we would get a big box of promo discs and oh, stuff, wow. stuff that just did. They didn't. It was you know it was a few months old and it had already been it had been released at this point or uh, just stuff that. I guess went south. I don't know, but we, I would just, we would get tons of this stuff and we'd sit there and go through it and go through it. And, go, and I, I, that's just one that I kept. And it's like the, oh, the oh. one ambient album that I have. And it, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he's such an influence on, uh, on us. I just, um, you know, the way that he uses his sequencer and, and well, just everything else, but you know, it seems like he's using the sequencer to sort of drive the music. It kind of changed the way that we, you know, went about like songwriting and stuff. So, um, yeah, being able to collaborate with him would be definitely a dream come true. And, you know, I mean, and, and then there's of course, you know, all the, all the others, uh, you know, Brian, Eno, Daniel, Lanois, uh, is anybody, yeah. and anybody that may be out of the genre, maybe something somebody wouldn't expect, like, uh, I almost said Robert Fripp, but I guess that would make too much sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jason Pierce from, uh, spiritualized and oh. spaceman three yeah. also just we a big big influence on us especially when you know we were younger uh we were really uh or i was really into spaceman three i don't want to yeah. talk for michael but i know <laughs> he was uh, <laughs> at one point um but yeah they were they were huge influences on us uh, as well but especially uh the spiritualized stuff after after spaceman three that uh, jason pierce did uh, I love the first two albums, Ladies and Gentlemen, We Were Floating in Space, yeah. and what was it Let It Come Down? Those are fantastic. Yeah, yeah the, the, 
They're so good. I, I was lucky enough to see them. I don't know if it was their first American tour, but back in, uh, I think it was 92 or something, uh, I was I was in L.A. and they were basically opening for the Jesus and Mary chain. And it was just, uh, it was so fantastic. I was already a big fan, but getting them, get, being able to see them do it live and pull it off so fantastically, it was just, it was just beautiful, uh, you know altering experience for me for sure oh that's fantastic let me just ask you guys where can people find the new album that you've done with Laraji and how can they buy it download it so you can get you can get everything uh that we've done uh to this date uh i believe or most everything uh that's been released at least in the last few years at flyingmoonlight.com and that's that's the name of our our record label is uh, Flying Flying Moonlight Records. And do you have any social media accounts where people can follow what you're doing? Oh yeah, you can always go to DallasAcid.com, and that's got links to to everything. Uh, we do we do a pretty pretty uh, pretty much a daily post to Instagram uh, is probably the best way to follow us. Um, and then uh, you know you can find us on. Uh, Spotify, Bandcamp, uh, Apple Music, uh, all the all the major streaming. Uh, I think most of them, anyway. If you want to, if you want to hear it. Thank you so much for coming on with me tonight. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely, uh, our pleasure. Thank you. I can let you guys have the rest of your night. Rehearse, drink some tequila, whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You guys are always more than welcome to come back Thank on. You. Um, Thank you, man. Yeah, our pleasure. If, when you when you get that, um, I'm dying to hear some of these these metal ambient covers <laughs> of some metal tracks. So when you guys get that done, I've got to get that. I'm, I'm going to send you a sample as soon as uh, as soon as we get something. Oh, yeah, no, you tracks. So. Please uh, do. I'm real good at secrets. <laughs> <laughs> It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. 
Shop. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 